and Apex Lab Podcast. Hey there, welcome to the Level Up Engineering Podcast, where we speak to the most experienced technology leaders from around the world. So stay with us to learn actionable management insights to take your engineering team to the next level. This show is powered by Apex Lab, a team of experts in end-to-end digital product development. ApexLab.io Hi there, this is Karolina and welcome to today's episode of Level Up Engineering. Today I have Rich Archbold here with me who spent quite a few years at Amazon and at Amazon Web Services, worked at Facebook and has been working at Intercom for the past five and a half years. There, he's currently the Senior Director of Engineering, and today he will let us pick his mind about scaling development teams. Welcome, Rich. Thank you very much, Carolina. It's wonderful to be here. Thank you for joining us. Uh, Let's get started. What do you think are the biggest challenges when it comes to scaling a software development team? I'm going to say, like, start off with a classic answer, like, it depends on the situation. It depends on whether you're scaling and growing one team from being like a small team to being a bigger team or if you're scaling a a relatively big team into two or more teams if you're having to like get to that place where you're having to split a team or even bigger if you're having to like scale an org by adding a new office or new location like they all have each one has the challenges of the last one built Mm -hmm. built into it and kind of like a new set of bigger kind of scale challenges as well like i'd say like that basic one of like Anytime you want to scale a team, you've got to make sure the fundamentals of the team are really strong so that like the mission, the vision, the strategy, like the values and culture of the team and like the metrics of success for the team are like really strong. And that goes even more when you're like looking to scale a team and split it into two teams. You need to figure out what the mission, vision and strategy of the new team is going to be. And one of the real test cases for me for that is like, can I paint a really compelling picture of what the first six months of delivery is going to look like for the team mm-hmm. and like what what are the first six months worth of goals my new team is going to take on and do I have a really compelling narrative and story around that can I tell a story around what the new team or the bigger team is is going to work at and that like storytelling capability is usually mission vision strategy values goals when you weave it all together it's a story and it's a story that can align people and excite people and attract people and keep them together when times get tough and it'll help them figure out what their team logo is going to be or what the fun interesting things are going to be about their team so that's like a bunch of the the challenges and stuff i feel like you need to get right for just even at the team level mm-hmm. and then when you think about okay well scaling the team is going to usually going to mean adding people into the team so we got to hire people like what are the elements that goes into like having like really good hiring depending on where you're trying to hire, if you're trying to hire in like Ireland or San Francisco or London, the hiring challenges are more or less competitive. But either way, your engineering org or your company needs to know who you are. You need to know what what your hiring brand is, what your employee brand is. Are you known for attracting people who are deep technologists or who are product people or who are young folks early in their career and they're attracted to like the growth opportunity they're going to get because they know yours is like a rocket ship growth trajectory or are you a really mature company that has liquid RSUs and you attract a a type of person who's more interested in liquid comp. So like knowing what your brand is 
and being able to market it and go to market with it is like a really important thing. And then like the, the last obvious thing is like a really good interviewing process because it's so difficult and so competitive to get great people in your door to talk to you. How do you make sure? And it's such a, it's such a, uh, an intense process and a costly process to interview people. Like how do you make sure that you have a good interview process that you've enough trained people to do interviewing that, that you know what your interview loop looks like, that you have the right competencies, that you're not over indexing on functional competencies and under indexing on like behavioral attitude or culture competencies that your interview uh, process and recruiting process is not unconsciously biased to give you a, a, a poor mix of like uh, candidates coming in top of funnel or worse yet that you have a good mix of folks coming in top of funnel but your unconscious bias or conscious bias shows up in your interview process that turns away some of your best most creative potential hires so i think like all of those kind of cover those challenges are like the things i think you need to get right from making sure you understand your team or your new teams and like having that like mission, vision, strategy, values, metrics, something that you can turn into a story. And at the very least, you have like a level of clarity around that first six months of a story that you aren't looking for your new team to invent it for you. You can actually give them something that they can stand on and that they can iterate from uh, there. And then that you know who you are, that you have a brand and that it's authentic and you know how to market it. And then the last thing is that like, you know how to interview and you know how to convert good candidates into good hires and that you do so with a level of diversity and inclusivity and absent of unconscious bias such that you're able to really make the most of all of the work you've actually done before that. I don't know, that's probably a pretty long-winded answer, but... <laughs> it's it's a great answer. It sounds like in order to scale a development team, you have to have a pretty high-order overview of the entire business as a whole. Um, yeah. Thank you for that introduction. If we could go into a little bit more specifics, um, what yeah. are some things that you have done to, to overcome these challenges? Um. The first thing is like what you actually just mentioned there is incredibly important. Your company or your soft scaling your dev team is an action that you take directly following on from your like your higher level company strategy or product strategy or R&D strategy that like scaling a team for the sake of scaling a team is if you don't really understand why you're doing it or how it fits into an overall bigger strategy, you're going to find that that team gets confused or has identity crisis after its first six months the first thing as you rightly pointed out is like make sure you understand the bigger picture and make sure that you understand how this fits into the bigger picture and sometimes it's really hard to have that bigger picture but at least have a view of it for the next six months that you're reasonably competent about i'd say that's like absolutely the most important one awesome so um what have you done to overcome these challenges so we definitely make sure that on a six monthly basis, we kind of review our company strategy on a yearly basis. We get all of our directors and above together to kind of talk through it. We get to do an open Q&A with our CEO and our, our COO and our chief strategy officer. And we really try to give all of the leaders of the company, the folks who, the folks who are responsible for scaling the company and scaling the teams, we give them an opportunity to very openly and candidly like quiz and question and have mm -hmm. like the tough conversations with the leaders to make sure that we can really know that strategy and therefore try and make the best decisions that we can around scaling the teams. Uh, that's the first thing we do. The other thing we do is we, like, 
most teams these days, I think, are multifunctional. You've got like product management, design, research, engineering, analytics, maybe some ops or some DevOps folks. You want to make sure when you're scaling a team, you're scaling holistically. And so you're talking to like the head of design and the head of product management and head of, and you're making sure that you understand, hey, if we're going to scale it, are we going to scale it together? And like, are there any dependencies that we need to have? Making sure you have strong checkpoints with your cross-functional counterparts, like with the folks in design and the folks in product management in particular, to make sure that we're making scaling decisions together and not in isolation of each other. And we kind of do that on a quarterly basis and kind of check in on that. On the brand side, like some of the challenges we've overcome or some of the mistakes we've made, what does actually brand mean to you and your company? You know, for us, we have a, a value within engineering called represent intercom with pride. We deliberately try and create time and space for engineers to write up blog posts or give talks. If anybody pitches a talk at any conference anywhere in the world, we will pay for them to like tra travel to the conference and speak at the conference. Wow. Because like that's that's part of our DNA. That's part of our brand. We do very little contribution to open source, though, like because that's just not who we are. Mm -hmm. We're more of a writing and speaking company rather than a contributing via open source. I, I, and so but like different other companies, a big part of their brand, like when I actually worked at Facebook, a big part of the brand was contributing through open source. And that was kind of more of the way that like Facebook that was more of the part of their uh, brand. And, you know, they had the whole open compute platform and everything like that. So kind of like, how do you overcome the potential challenge around brand? Is like having that discussion amongst your engineering leaders and go, what is our brand? How do we do it? Like, what, what does it mean for us to be true and authentic to our own brand? How do we want to be known? And then are we willing to allocate, like, are we, are we willing to call it first class work? Like, are you willing to give up shipping features? Like, are you willing to have 10 less features a year because you want to have 15 blog posts a year? And like, that's a, the real way, you know, whether it's part of your brand or not. Like, are you willing to make those hard trade-offs? And like, are you willing to take some of your uh, travel budget or your training budget or your headcount budget and convert it to conference attendance budget? And so making sure you don't come into a challenge like to do with brand, because otherwise, like if you want to be world-class, you want to be known for something, you know, you want to have an opinion and be confident enough to like go, go to the industry and say, this is who we are. We're different to other people. We know who we are. We're not ashamed of it. And we think it's cool. You should actually come join us. If this actually resonates with you, you should come join us. And if it doesn't, you shouldn't. Like, it doesn't mean you are a bad person. It just means you're not the best fit for coming, working with us on this really urgent, important mission that we're all super bought into. So like the right brand attracts the right people and repels the wrong people. And again, not bad people, great people, just like not <laughs> the right people for your company at the time you're at in, in your development. And I definitely think like, this is something that uh, Intercom has done pretty well. We definitely did go through like a six to nine month period where we had like some crunch deadlines on delivery. And we did, um, like under invest in blog posts. Like I personally hadn't published a blog post on our on our main blog in about nine nine months. I think that was like a really hard lesson that we learned is that because we did see our brand uh, dip and we did see like top of funnel, like the amount of people applying to work at Intercom uh, dip a little bit. And the reality is the market never stays still. And so it's like something we've come we've gone back to. We're hosting a bunch of events. We're like putting on our own like mini conferences and workshops and like bringing people in to work with us in the evening and trying to give back to the 
community in that way. The challenge is not having a brand that is inauthentic, that is bland, and that you don't actually put any fuel behind. And I think we've always been looking, like we've always known who we are and be comfortable being different in a bunch of ways. But like we did go through one period where we felt a pinch of like under investing in it. And if you just want to be like, it's fine if, if your company isn't defined by the strength of your engineering org and you don't need to hire the very best people. But if you do feel like the strength of your engineering org is like a critical success factor to your company's ultimate success, then I do think it's something you really need. And then the last thing is not having a good interviewing process. People's views of like, what is a good interviewing process, I think differs. Like some people might say, might I, I'll consider my interviewing process good when I can consistently and reliably hire good people. And like, that's good. And like having the processes documented, debriefing properly on not just the candidate, but the process in the early days and looking to have like a documented, repeatable, trained, scalable interviewing process is definitely table stakes and definitely putting enough weight behind your behavioral interviewing and your, and, and like being clear on what your culture and values are and being able to interview for those. Um, I think the things that that's the bar that a bunch of people uh, stop at. And I think that is why you have many, many, many software engineering teams that are predominantly white male in their uh, mid twenties and thirties. And I don't think that's a strong enough bar that you need to hold to. I think you need to commit to having uh, a diverse and inclusive interview process, right from having analyzed your job site for potentially biased language and having analyzed your job specs for potentially biased language and making sure that you have an inclusive, inviting, safe, but rigorous interview process. And sometimes that can mean having a, a more diverse interview panel than is actually in your company, if you know what I mean. You're kind of really putting your best foot forward. You're showing the company you want to be, not necessarily exactly where you are at the moment. And I think to kind of do that really right, a bunch of times you need to hire people. Like you need to like go to a consultant and say, hey, we're really committed to creating a diverse, inclusive, safe, egalitarian culture. That's part of what we want to be known for and part of what we think is right as humans. But we acknowledge that that's hard and it's a skill and every human has their own innate unconscious bias. And you can't ask the most, like I'm using air quotes here, diverse person on your team to be your diversity consultant because <laughs> like that itself is like, it's a skill that you need to go to college for and like a year's worth of experience. And so uh, like a, a big learning for us over the last kind of year or so, or uh, really as we've matured in the space and tried to make a commitment to it, has been investing in industry experts and like getting really diving into and exploring and building partnerships with an external uh, diversity and inclusivity consultant and auditing our various different processes and and putting the right together the right diversity and inclusivity strategy that matches our state of company and where we want to go to and how fast we feel like we need to get there and then creating a transparent roadmap internally with our team and inviting them to participate in it and like help get that. But I, I think that every bit of inclusivity starts with like some of the principles like objective, fair, transparent, and usable. And so creating an interview process that is objective, fair, transparent, and usable. So like objective rather than feelings-based. Can this person 
solve this problem. And giving the same test to everybody is an objective measure. Fair would be like making sure that, that the challenge that you set somebody is an equal opportunities challenge and relevant to the task you're actually going to get them to do. So it's objective and fair. Transparent would be preferably you write a blog post about what your interview process is and explain to people the type of things that are actually going to go through so that they know about it up front. And like usable is or accessible is that not only is it objective, fair, and you've told them about it, they can actually understand it. And like the stuff that you've told them is not written in you know, some secret code or in so much fine detail or legalese language that it actually negates the whole value of everything you've actually done before. But you can still be objective, fair, transparent and usable, but be the language you, you use could be unconsciously biased towards some set of people or other or whatever. So I don't know, I'm kind of rambling into the world of uh, <laughs> diversity and inclusivity at that time, which I think we could probably do a whole other conversation on, but it's just something I'm really sure. passionate about. Sure. No, it sounds... It sounds um... Like you really understand um, scaling development teams in its entirety. We touched on a couple different ideas here, um, including, you know, having your own internal brand for the team you're scaling or, or uncovering the brand of the, of the new team you're trying to create and also having an external story mm-hmm. to have people become curious or engaged where would you start if um, some of our listeners were to ask you, you know, these are a lot of different things around. Um, what would be the first step, you think, if someone realized that they need to scale their team? I'm going to give a plug to one of my favorite ever, my favorite all-time management books. It's a book called The Advantage by Patrick Lencioni. If you've ever read or heard of The Five Dysfunctions of a Team is like one of Patrick Lencioni's other books, but The Advantage is kind of like the summary playbook of all of his other books. And he lays out like a really simple, intuitive, step-by-step framework for any team to follow to help them understand and clarify and codify their like mission, vision, strategy, values, metrics, and goals. And I've, I've gone through this playbook as like an exercise to do with new teams that I've taken over or teams that were like thinking about trying to spin up and form. It's like, hey, can we actually build a story around this team? And if we go through these set of exercises that usually take about a half a day to do together with a team, it really helps you clarify like the story behind the team and highlight in a, like a pretty systematic way about like what are the top things we need to do next? And like knowing who you are and where you are and why you're there and what you need to do next gives you in a very first principled way, just gives you a really good starting point to make like strong decisions that you can commit to for the next six months uh, from. And really it's like any scaling thing is like, can I actually commit to the, can I commit to the decision just for the next six months? Cause who knows how the world is going to change after that. So Trying to get clear on what your story is of where you are now and what you think you want to do next is 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 definitely one way of like one thing to do if if I think I need to I'm not sure if I need to scale or not that'd be like a really good thing to help you there and then the other thing of like sometimes you might think I'm not sure if I need to scale I just need to hire like I've just lost two people on my team and I need to get two more people back into my team and like one of the best things to do there I think is like being really clear on what your values and culture is of your team 
because I, like I, I'm a strong believer in like you hire for attitude and you can train for skills and particularly in this day and age where like talent is so scarce and the competition is so fierce if you're under a time crunch you'll probably much more easily hire two new grads or interns than you will hire two new senior engineers at a fraction of the price and the training that you invest in will benefit the whole team and not just the two new people that you hire and what i find a really 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 powerful exercise for any team to go through is like go through the what do we value exercise uh, mm-hmm. and like getting your team together for maybe like two or three hours preferably off site to give them like a breath of perspective and just try and flesh out what are what are all the strong opinions we have in the team what are the things that we think we've learned or what are the lessons we've learned and what what do they tell us about it, how we make decisions and i think this can be like a really fun exercise and you can go at it so many different ways but what you're trying to get out of it is the top four or five things the attitudes the beliefs the behaviors that any new person coming into the team should have mm-hmm. like we and it's always interesting to think about like the opposite of these things so i'll give you like an example one of intercom's uh, engineering values is that we run less software and for us what that means is that we prefer to use a small like a very small set of tools and we're kind of quite prescriptive about the languages we actually let people code in at intercom and the types of like software or open source software we let them bring in and so this is like a really important value for us and 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 we want people who are not precious about the technology they use and that like like we don't want people who say i am a java developer we want people who say I am a problem solver and the main tool I bring to the problem solving brain is my ability to learn and write software but they see themselves as a problem solver first rather than a technologist first so that that's like one of the real things that we interview for and look for people who are problem solvers as opposed to technologists it's not that we don't love really deep technology experience but we favor at that a problem solver breath first mindset and then we will train for that we will train folks and invest in training for that technical debt but it can be such a fun thing to have a team go go off site together for like a half a day just to s- discuss this what do we care about what do we not care about what are the strong opinions we have and it usually flushes out a bunch of things that people weren't weren't even sure were real values but flushes out points of disagreement everybody gets to know each other better afterwards everybody's got a chance to air all this stuff and talk through it and you always get a tighter team who knows each other better and is going to be able to make a better hiring decision there is kind of an unanticipated question but uh, you've mentioned in the beginning that um, in the hiring process you really try to be objective but then you also mentioned you hire for attitude how mm-hmm. do you square that circle So we we have a documented transparent blog post like public blog post on how we do our culture contribution interviews and we are explicit that we call them culture contribution as opposed to culture fit because we want to be always open to a more and more diverse set of like uh, ways of thinking we use a bunch of mostly behavioral based interview questions where we ask for past performance we could go give me an example of a time when you had to 
go beyond what a customer had initially asked in order to solve a problem or tell me about the project that you uh, delivered within the last two years which you are most proud of and tell me why you are most proud of this project or give me an example of a project which pushed you past your comfort zone and how did you react to that and so we document all the questions we ask and we document our scoring rubric as well and so we share with uh, in our blog post we say here is actually what a good answer looks like and here is what a bad answer looks like mm-hmm. so that is like our version of objective fair transparent and usable is that the questions that we ask are past performance based so we're trying to get you to tell us about what you've done not how you not how you think you might react in some weird or as yet unseen situation we've told you the things we're looking for why they are specifically in line with our company and engineering values and we've given you the rubric by which we assess these questions so it's definitely not perfect it's still definitely subjective it's not like you can write a set of unit tests on it (laughs) and see them all pass at the end of it it's definitely not perfect um but it has been one of the highest signal interviews and it it is kind of a deal breaker interview that if somebody can absolutely get hired if they do poorly on a data modeling interview but do well on the culture contribution interview but we won't make a hire if somebody does well on the tech design interview but poorly on the culture contribution interview a bunch of times we'll say really think this person has potential it's possible they had a bad day on this interview. It's a really important one. We're not going to say no right now. Let's actually talk to the person. And it would usually be a more senior interviewer w- would call them up and say, hey, we had some, and we'd, and again, we would err on the side of being transparent. We had some concerns. We felt like based on the interview, we wondered whether you might think like this. And if so, that's cool, but that's not how we think. I don't want to like make you an offer to like, change your life and come work for this type of a company if that's not the type of person who you are or how you think. However, if if you think we actually picked it up wrong, I'd love to have another interview and see if things come out differently in the second interview. So I just find being as open and transparent in those situations as possible. It's amazing how many people go, wow, you're actually treating me like an adult. That's cool. <laughs> you're being like surprisingly open and candid and whatever with me. Thanks for that. And then you can have a really adult discussion about whether that person wants to do another interview or not. Mm-hmm. My first thought when you said that you have all the expectations out there was to think, you know, you're a high-valued company. People want to come work for you. You're building a brand that is known for, for quality and for inclusion. Don't you have cases when, when people want to get into the company so much that they would try to act as you would like them to act? Sure. I mean, we all do that when we go to an interview. As much as we might want to present, we think we're just trying to present our authentic selves. We do kind of tailor our answers a little bit to what we think the interviewer uh, wants to hear. I think it's like only human nature. And I guess that's why you have experienced interviewers and that's why you have your most senior interviewers. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's why you have like your senior engineers or your people who have the best multifaceted understanding of your culture, uh, be part of your interview process. It's why when you're hiring people managers, your people ops team or your HR team be part of the interview process. 
if somebody's going to be working on a cross-functional team, you'd have not just engineers interview them, but like engineers and like product managers and designers be part of the interview process. Some people say, oh, your interview process is seven hours long, or hey, I had to meet, you know, so many different people during the interview process, or hey, you asked me to do a test, like a take-home test and a bunch of other stuff or whatever as well, and you go, yeah, well, you know, we want to be thorough, you know, it's, it's an expensive job, it's a really expensive thing for all concerned if you make a hire that doesn't end up being successful and you're just not setting anybody, you're not setting anybody up for the long term because these things normally, they normally end in a parting ways somewhere between the like six and 12 month point, which is just not a good turn away. It seems like um, scaling a team really affects the entire organization in some ways. What are some of the mistakes that you would warn against when scaling? I would say the biggest one is the one we just talked about, which is not putting enough, like what you do decide you need to hire is not putting enough emphasis on hiring for behaviors and attitude. That's like the number one biggest thing that will mess you up and be the most expensive. I think also understanding the team or, or teams that you're hiring into and what's the balance that you need to have in those teams. So mistakes we've made in the past is like hiring too few or hiring too many junior people and realizing we've now just added eight more junior people into the org. But you know what? Unless you've got two senior people to match those eight junior people, you actually don't have a viable team. I call it guns and bullets. There's no point having a load of bullets if you don't have any guns mm -hmm. or having too many bullets, but you can only fire a certain amount of guns. And maybe that's not the most inclusive language to use, but, but you know, it's you a just, great metaphor. Yeah. Sometimes hiring 10 new junior engineers, it actually reduced the capacity in your organization because now you've just got a, your best people who were able to be independent executing at like a pretty high rate. Now we have to drop out of work and mentor a bunch of junior people, which takes could take a six to nine month like overall capacity hit on your team or organization. So really making sure you understand the balance of strengths in your org and, and like positions and that you're not just thinking about adding people, you're thinking about strengthening teams. And then like the last kind of mistake to avoid in this competitive world is like, again, one like I kind of touched on earlier on is like, even if you know who you are and like, you know, the type of organization you are, I really think if engineering is part of your differentiating value proposition as a company and you need a great engineering organization for your company to succeed, then you need great engineers. And the world is just too competitive out there right now in pretty much any country for you to be able to achieve that without investing proactively in your brand so that uh, it's not good enough for you to know who you are. It's like other people need to know who you are because otherwise they're going to have six or seven different juicier offers that have a more compelling, well-known story around it. Uh, coming from a bunch of other recruiters. So it's just something that as we get more and more competitive, just the bar gets higher for the strength of brand and story you need to have yes. and uniqueness around your own company and why great people should come and work for you as opposed to going to work for Facebook or Google or Amazon or because you can be sure they have a really strong, compelling brand and offer and pitch as well. Thank you very much for your time. If you'd like to see more of Rich, he writes informative blog posts on the Intercom blog and on his personal blog. 
on Medium at rich underscore archbald. And he talks at conferences about many engaging tech-related topics like leading happy teams around internally set core values and the speed of deployment or running less software, as you have already heard, to just mention a few. Rich, thank you for joining us today at Level Up Engineering. Thank you so much, Carolina. It was super fun. I really enjoyed it. Thank you for your time. Thanks for staying with us. This was the Level Up Engineering Podcast by Apex Lab. Check them out at apexlab.io. And don't forget to subscribe to our channel, rate our content, and share your thoughts on this episode. See you next time.